Good morning, everyone. We just uh, finished a work of service all around the uh, river region with all kinds of different service projects going on. If you want to be encouraged, just go to hashtag 4334 and you will find all kinds of wonderful videos and stories about what people have been up to. And today we're starting, uh, we're using that as a series title here because it fits perfectly with why Paul wrote a letter to a man named Titus. It's a book of the Bible in the New Testament entitled Titus. It's really a letter written to a young man whom Paul had discipled and he sent him to a place where he could make a difference. And so um, we thought that'd be the perfect title for this series that we're beginning. So for the next couple of weeks, we're looking at how do we make a difference right where we are? And just to kind of get you a flavor for this of how important that is, I came across a story a couple of years ago uh, that really uh, was inspiring to me. There was a man named Don Ritchie who lived in Australia, uh, just north of Sydney or just outside of Sydney at one of the most beautiful places in the country because it has a sheer cliff. His house on one side of the road and there's a scenic drive on the other side, there's a sheer cliff. Um, but what Don noticed after he, Don Ritchie noticed after he moved in is that there would be times when people would be there and all of a sudden they would be gone. And the next day he'd hear that they had jumped to their death. Not only was it a beautiful place, but it was the most popular place for people when they're in desperate situations uh, to jump. And he, he talked it over with his wife and he said, we need to do something about that. And so every time he saw somebody standing there and he thought they were in a desperate situation, he would go out and speak to them. He lived there for 45 years. And it was documented that he had saved 160 lives because he would go out and talk to people and he'd invite them to his house and he'd say, I have a house right across the street. I'd like you to come and have a cup of tea with me and let's talk. He received the highest award you can get as a civilian in Australia for that, for his heroic deeds. And he said, I'm no hero. He said, but how could I sit there and watch them and do nothing? He received the awards because he made a difference right where he was. I think if you're here today, you want to make a difference right where you are too. And if that's where you're coming from, you are going to love this series. Because the letter to Titus was all about making a difference. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, I just thank you for the opportunity to be here today. And I thank you that you have called us to live in a world where we can make a difference. So, Lord, I pray that as we study the words that Paul wrote to Titus and how he instructed him to carry out his work, Lord, that these would be words of encouragement to us so we can make a difference where we are, too, right here in 334. And so, Lord, I, uh, we ask these things. In just a moment of silence right now, if you would like the Lord to help you make a difference right where you are, would you say, Lord, would you teach me something today because I want to make a difference where I live? Would you teach me something I can use today? He'll hear you. If that's your desire, just pray it. Well, Lord, you heard these prayers, so move me out of the way and say whatever you want said to us today. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline entitled, We Are Difference Makers. And point one simply reminds us that Jesus taught his disciples to be difference makers. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, You're the light of the world. You're like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I mean, this is important. Jesus said, when the Lord changes you from the inside out, let everybody know that. Because God loves me, but he also loves the whole world. And he wants, he wants his light to shine out through me. In fact... The life application for all of us here is that our faith is meant to be personal, but not private. 
I need to have a personal faith, but it's never meant to be private. I'm supposed to let my light shine. Uh, grabbed a lamp from our house. There's nothing fancy about this lamp. It sits on a little end table next to a chair where I like to read. And it's got a stand. It's got a light bulb in it. It's just a lamp. But if you came to my house and you saw me trying to read in a dark room and you saw this lamp on the floor and you saw me leaning over trying to go, trying to get some light so I could read, you go, well, John, why don't you put that thing up on the end table where it's supposed to be? Then it'll light up the whole room. I mean, that's all the lamps are for, is to give light. Do you know why you and I are in this world and why God hasn't taken us home to heaven yet? It's so that he can shine out through us. My faith is meant to be personal, but not private. The same with yours. God wants his love to shine out through me. He's given us hope. He's given us forgiveness. He has given us new life. And in order to make a difference, we've got to let that light shine. And so when you listen to everything today, remember, this is what God's called us to be, just a lamp, a light in a dark world. Point two reminds us also then that Jesus taught his disciples not only to be difference makers themselves, but to make disciples who would be difference makers, who in turn would make disciples, and so on. Therefore, go and make disciples, Jesus said, of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, including the commands about being difference makers. About saying, hey, uh, this is, I mean, when you and I get troubled about the way things are in the world, well, God has called us into this world. When people are lacking love, then we can be an example of what love looks like. When people don't know how to forgive, we can show them what forgiveness looks like. That's why he's put us where he has. And that's the life application. We are the current generation of disciples and disciple makers. That's us. Jesus prayed for us, by the way. John 17, just as you sent me into the world, Jesus said the night before he was crucified, he was praying to his heavenly father. He said, I'm sending them into the world. And I'm praying not only for these disciples, but for also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Jesus prayed that we would be faithful disciples in our generation. It's our turn. We are now the lamps. So, yeah, that doesn't sound as glamorous as I'd hoped. Anyway, but we're the ones, <laughs> yeah, we're the lamps. Okay, all right, whatever. Uh, but we're the ones who get to make a difference in our culture right now. So when you're looking at the story of Titus, and this is why we're looking at Titus, Titus is an example of Paul who discipled a guy named Titus and then sent him to an island, to the island of Crete. So Paul taught his disciple Titus how to be a difference maker on the island of Crete. This is a letter that was written to Paul had gone and preached the gospel there, and he'd left Titus there uh, to get things organized. So listen to Titus 1. This letter is from Paul, a slave of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I've been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. I'm writing to Titus, my true son in the faith, that we share. May God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Savior, give you grace and peace. I left you on the island of Crete so you could complete our work there. So if you wonder where Crete is, Crete is here in the middle of the Mediterranean. I mean, got Egypt here, uh, Israel over here, Turkey, Greece, Italy, Sicily. Here's Crete. And when Paul had traveled through Turkey and through parts of Greece here, Obviously, on one of his missionary journeys, he had traveled to Crete, and he proclaimed the gospel there, and he taught a lot of people about Jesus, but he already found Christian communities there, because interestingly enough, some of the people from that island of Crete 
had traveled over to Jerusalem for the holy days, and they had been there on Pentecost Sunday. Acts chapter 2 tells us when the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples, uh, they received power to proclaim the gospel, and they were able to speak in languages they did not know. And it says there were devout Jews from all over the world who were there at the time, and they heard the disciples preaching the good news about Jesus in their own languages. And it lists all different places, Parthians, other places, and people from all over parts of the world, and it lists Cretans. And it says that when the Cretans came back, that many of those people believed. Well, when the Cretans came back, when they came back after this, some of them brought their faith back with them. And so there were Christian communities in these little towns on the island, but they were terribly disorganized. And they needed leadership and they needed teaching. And so when Paul was there, he got, things, he got the ball rolling and he took his disciple Titus and he said, Titus, I want you to stay here. That brings us to point A. Titus was challenged to be with being a difference maker in a culture that had false teachers, liars, cruel people, lazy people, and people who ate too much. You go, you're kidding me. No, I'm not. Listen to the next paragraph. For there are many rebellious people who engage in useless talk and deceive others. This is especially true of those who insist on circumcision for salvation. They must be silenced because they're turning whole families away from the truth by their false teaching. And they do it only for money. Even one of their own men, a prophet from Crete, has said this about them. The people of Crete are all liars, are cruel animals, and lazy gluttons. And this is true. I mean, what indictment, okay? So reprimand them sternly to make them strong in the faith. And so Paul was leaving Titus here on this island, and he's saying, hey, you need to be a difference maker here, but understand this, that some of these people, when they'd come back with the faith, they had... Uh, they'd, brought it back to a culture, had all kinds of issues, and some of them, because they'd grown up in a strong Jewish household, there was a strong Jewish community there, they said, well, we'll take the Christian faith that we have now, and we'll marry it to the Jewish faith we grew up with. So you need to be a Christian and a Jew. <coughs> so you have to be circumcised, you have to observe all these Jewish rituals, and that's the way this is going to work. And Paul said, that's tearing families apart. you gotta, you got to stop that. You're also going to have to teach them to make sure that they know how to live in a culture that doesn't embrace a lot of godly values. And this is going to be important for you. And so Titus was assigned to a place that was difficult. Now, if you wonder why God would do that, well, if you open your outline, there's a life application for us here. God intentionally positions us in places where we can make a difference. God intentionally puts us in places where we can make a difference. Peter talked about this in 1 Peter 2. He said... <coughs> Be very careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. And then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they'll see your honorable behavior and they'll give honor to God when he judges the world. And what Peter wanted to remind his audience of is the same thing that Paul reminded Titus of, that you're a light. We put this lamp on that end table next to our chair precisely because it's dark. If there was plenty of light, I'd go put this in some other place. I put the lamp where I need light. God does the same thing with us. There's a note here also in your outline. Where we live and work is an assignment, not an accident. I mean, what if we embrace that? Because the Bible tells us this is the way God thinks. We are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. What if I embraced where I am as an assignment, not an accident? The first job that I had that brought me 
to Montgomery area. It took me to a place where I was working in a facility where one of the guys I had to work with closely, it became very clear to me, they had a drinking problem. He was an alcoholic. I mean, that was obvious. Another, um, another problem that was there in that office, two of the receptionists that were there, they were just, they didn't get along well, and they were constantly gossiping about each other and about people in the office. And then there was another guy I worked with, and he was having trouble in his marriage, and even though I was just out of college and I was single, he was telling me all about it. And so I remember I called a, a guy who had led my Bible study back at Kansas State that I'd been a part of, and <clears throat> he'd helped pray for the job and other things, and I called him, and he said, well, John, how's it going there? And I said, well, I'm in a place where I'm working with a guy who's a chronic alcoholic. I got these two uh, secretaries, they gossip and backbite each other, and they tell all kinds of things about everybody in the company, and this other guy's telling me all problems about his marriage, and I don't know anything about marriage, and he goes, praise God! I'm going, I don't think you understood what I said. And he goes, no, remember we prayed that God would send you to a place where you could be a person of influence? Think of how much influence you can have there. I went, right, that's exactly what I meant. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mean, that isn't what I was thinking at all. I was thinking, God, why did you put me here? And he said, let's pray right now that God will use you like a lamp. And that you could be a bright light there to the guy who has the alcohol problem, to the man with the marriage problem, to the women who are gossiping. And we started to pray. Wrote me a letter and said every week he'd be praying for me. And so we talked multiple times. We started praying for people. And I started looking at the opportunity as an assignment rather than an accident. Do you know what happened? That guy who had the alcohol problem, I got to help get him into a treatment program. And he stopped drinking. The two secretaries who were backbiting, I had a chance to sit down with them and pray with them. They forgave each other, and they stopped gossiping. It was remarkable. The couple that was having marital problems, I did marriage counseling with them. And I wasn't married yet. I would love to have a record of what I said. I would love to know what I said to them. <laughs> but I read a couple of passages of Scripture to them, and they apologized to each other. And there was another guy who gave his heart to the Lord when he saw the change that was happening in some of these people. He goes, that's amazing. And all of a sudden, I could tell that I was put in a place where God wanted me to be. What if you and I thought of our lives like this? I mean, when you read Paul's letter to Titus, this is exactly it. Titus, I'm sending you a place where there are cruel people, lazy people, gluttons, false teachers, problems abound. Christians have been there a while, but they're not well organized, and you're going to have to complete the work there. Go get them. And if that's where the letter stopped, you go, well, that wasn't terribly helpful. I mean, that's kind of a pep talk, but, but that's not where the letter stops. We just got through the intro. The letter unpacks a whole bunch of things that will help, that help Titus and that will help us too if we want to make a difference where we live. So let's jump on to point B. So the first thing that Paul did is he gave Titus a short list of character qualities that would help him recognize mature believers who could help him make a difference on Crete. Okay, so Crete is this thing, this island that's, you know, 150 miles long, 8 miles wide at the narrow part, 30 miles wide at the widest part. There were a number of towns, way too big for one man to handle for himself. And so Paul reminded Titus, hey, you don't have to do this by yourself. 
In fact, here's what he told him. He said, I left you on the island of Crete so you can complete our work there and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. The elder just means overseer. People who oversee the work so you can go into the next town. You don't have to do this alone. Now look, if I want to make a difference in the world, the world's a big place. If I want to make a difference on my street, there's a lot of people who live on my street. I want to make a difference in my school, there might be lots of people in my school. But what's great is, I'm not alone. And when God calls us into this, he's going to be calling other people as well. And that's what uh, Paul reminded Titus of. He goes, it's going to be okay. There are other people there that God's called. Here's how you identify them. And then you can work together as a team. If it encourages you to know that God calls us to be difference makers in the world and we don't have to do it alone, would you say amen? I mean, this is why it's so important to be a part of a church. In fact, when I was going through all those things, um, you know, with these employees there, that guy who led my Bible study said, now let's pray that God's going to guide you to a good church home so you have other people who can encourage you. Because, John, you're not alone. I mean, look around in this room. You're not alone. For those of you uh, watching online, you're going to have to understand there's other people in the room. Okay? <laughs> but the truth is we're not alone. In fact, that's why we want you to go to that hashtag 334 website. You'll find things that other people are doing. We're together. And so the first thing that Paul said is, hey, you're not in this. First of all, let me remind you, you're there as a lamp, but God has other lamps. And so you need to find those other people. And here, I'm going to give you a little uh, laundry list of some characteristics you can identify. Them. And this will help us too. First of all, he said, an elder must live a blameless life. He must be faithful to his wife and his children. And his children must be believers who don't have a reputation for being wild or rebellious. Now, the reason that he did all this is because, well, first of all, let me talk about this word blameless. An elder must live a blameless life. I remember when we started the church here. We had our first elders meeting, and we were organizing it. And I said, you know, and we talked to the people who are going to be the original elders, and we read this definition. They go, oh, blameless means perfect, so I can't do this. You're going to have to get somebody else because there's nobody here who's perfect. Blameless doesn't mean perfect. What it means is above reproach, not perfect. And when you talk about above reproach, well, what does that mean? It means that there won't be any accusations brought. Uh, did a wedding for my son last week. And he and his, or one of my sons last week, and uh, when he and his bride were standing in front of me, as the wedding ceremony begins, talk to, explain to everybody why we've gathered there, and then uh, there's always this statement thrown out uh, that these two have come to be married. If anybody here can show just cause why they may not lawfully be wed together, let them now speak or forever hold their peace. And nobody said anything. Now, I would assume, since it's a legal arrangement, if somebody said, hey, there's a problem with this, that they'd stand up. And people have often asked me, what will you do when that happens? And I go, I guess I'll have to go, please present your case, which would be awkward. Anyway, but the idea is, I think we would have discovered that ahead of time. But if you have somebody who's an overseer, you said, Titus, look, if you get somebody who's going to be an overseer, make sure that if somebody stood up and said, hey, this person has to go back to that slide right before this, please. Make sure he's living this at home. I may not go back. Uh, to the other one there, and one more, please. That a difference maker makes a difference in his own home first. I mean, is he living this at home? Or is this just a show? Remember, the people in Crete were liars. And there were people who were teaching stuff just for money. This isn't a show. 
Is this person who just only looks good on Sunday, or is this a person who really lives this out? You want to choose other people who are making a difference? Well, difference makers make a difference at home. That's one of the ways you can recognize them. They live this out. They're the same in public as they are at home. Not perfect, but people are living it out. Secondly, he goes on to say, an elder must be blameless. He must not be arrogant, quick-tempered, and he must not be a heavy drinker, violent, or dishonest with money. Now, this is important, too, because these are all disqualifiers. And if you could go to the next slide on this, please. A difference maker is just somebody who's different from the culture. I mean, how am I going to change the culture if I'm the same as the culture? There were lots of people on Crete who were gluttons, lazy gluttons, cruel, who were liars. That was a proverb. I mean, when you talk about Cretans, you go, oh, yeah, I know Cretans. But you could, that's a dime a dozen to find those people. To find people who had changed the culture, well, they had to be the opposite of this. These were people who were humble, patient. They weren't heavy drinkers. And they were honest with their money. They, they were people who were forthright. And so when you're looking for people, Titus, look for this. Look for people who want to, be a, want to make a difference and want to be the difference that they want to see. Next, rather, he must enjoy having guests in his home. When you talk about this, you're talking about a person who just practices hospitality. And hospitality is simply making time and space for guests. And when I told you about Don Ritchie, this guy in Australia, he just made time. I mean, his whole speech, when they awarded him with this medal, this uh, civilian medal of heroism, he said, how could I sit there and do nothing? All I did was invite them in and have a cup of tea and talk to them. I mean, think what a difference that would make in my street, in your street, in my school or workplace, yours, if we just practiced this. And what a difference we could make. I mean, we've lost the ability now, thanks to uh, the Internet and other things, many of us are lacking personal relationships of any substance. And people are longing for people who just reach out to them. And so a difference maker is somebody who puts others first. I mean, I'm really going to care about you. He goes on and he says, and he must love what's good and he must live wisely and be just. This is a person of integrity. Mm. Titus, you want to find people who can go on? These are people who want integrity. They want justice. They like righteousness. They celebrate when truth wins out. These are the people you're looking for. And then he must live a devout and disciplined life. Somebody who is self-controlled. Somebody, a person who says, hey, I, I don't want to just give in to every appetite. Now, when you hear that list, I hope you put it together with what we've been talking about for the last month, the role of the Holy Spirit. There's a cord on this lamp. And it's not plugged in right now, so it's not going to give any light. If I plug this cord in, now it's got power and it can give the light. If you and I want to be lights in this world where our power supply comes from the Lord, I mean, we surrender our lives to him. The Holy Spirit's the one who gives us love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and self-control. So you don't have to worry that you've got to muster all these things up. We just walk daily with the Lord and surrender to him, and he'll give us the power to do these things. And then we can be a light that's up on a, a bright light. And he loves to shine out his love and forgiveness through us. 
Now finally, Paul said, Titus, look for people who have a strong belief in the trustworthy message that they were taught. Then they'll be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they're wrong. Because there was false teaching, you had to have people who believed that the Bible is our guide in all matters of faith and practice. That's why, we, that's why we gather together here on Sundays. We're not alone. We remind each other of the Word. It's why we get together in connect groups and in Bible studies so we can study God's Word and apply it to our lives so that we can understand what His Word says. And then when we come against error, we can say, no, that's not what the Bible says. I want to make a difference in the world, but not just any difference. I want to stand for what's true and what's right. Well, what is our guide? Well, the Bible's our guide. And other values will come and go. Popular, popular opinion shifts all the time, but God's word is trustworthy and true. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? So, one more life application for us. God doesn't call all of us to be pastors or elders, but he does want all of us to become mature in our faith and character. Please don't look at that list and go, well, good, I'm glad that Titus could find overseers and elders in every town. I'm not an elder, so this doesn't apply to me. Well, understand this. First of all, these were character qualities. And this is, this is the gulf which all of us need to strive. This is what mature believers look like. I mean, can you guys put up that list where they're all in there together? A difference maker is somebody who makes a difference in his own home. A difference maker is somebody who's different from the culture. They're willing to stand out. Hey, I'm not just going to go along with the crowd. A difference maker is somebody who puts others first, is a person of integrity, is self-controlled, and trusts God's word. Now, why would that only apply to our pastors and to our church leaders? Well, that applies to John Schmidt. I mean, he needs to do this, but not me. I don't need to do that at all. I mean, that's just for, that's just for the people who are in charge of the church. You know, for me, I don't need to do that at all. And so it's terribly important that you and I understand this. Now, these are the gifts that God gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. They'll continue, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Paul, the same guy who wrote to Titus, those instructions, wrote those words. The idea is, is that we would all come to maturity, not just the leaders. And so for me to ask the question, I need to ask the question, and you need to ask the question too, hey, are there some things that I need to be working on here? I mean, if I want to be a light in my neighborhood, one of the best ways I can be a light in my neighborhood is to be a light in my own home. I love it when uh, people tell me they come to church they go why you and i ask them why did you come to church well i came to church because of the joneses well did they invite you it's like well actually yeah they invited me to come but what convinced me to come was i saw the way that they they loved each other and my wife and i don't love each other like that at all and i want to find out what they were doing i love it when people come to our church and they say hey i want to be a part of this church why because i saw the way people were involved in the community and they saw the hashtag three three four shirt and they said, I want to be a part of that. By the way, if you go to that website, um, what you'll find there is, or if you go to that hyperlink, I should say, you'll find this on Facebook or on a number of social media platforms. You'll find a, a number of different posts. And if you click on those, you'll see like, you know, pictures like this where students and adult connect groups are working at AICC, storing up food. 
and you realize, hey, I'm not the only lamp out there. I'm not the only one. And God's using me as a part of a team. So I'd like for us to pray again. We pray at the beginning of the ceremony of this service here that God would make us available for whatever he wanted us to do. I'd like for us to pray again that God would do exactly that and that we'd be change agents. First of all, that we'd realize where we are is an assignment, not an accident. And secondly, we'd realize we're not alone and we'd help each other. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you that even when we jump into just the first part of Titus, Paul's letter to Titus, we're reminded of two things that should be greatly encouraging to us. Some of us, Lord, are at places we never thought we'd be. And Lord, you dropped us right in the middle of the neighborhood where we live. You dropped us right in the middle of our workplace. Some of us, Lord, you brought us halfway around the world because of a military training program. And God, we're grateful. Lord, help us see where we live and where we work as assignments and not accidents. Father, help us be agents of change and lights for good and love. Lights to demonstrate your forgiveness and the hope that we found in Jesus right where we work and play and raise our kids. And Father, help us also remember that we're not alone. That's why this church was organized, so we could help each other do this. To help each other center our lives on Christ. If the Lord spoke to you about something today that you needed to hear, maybe about hospitality, maybe about just accepting your place and not grumbling and complaining about your neighborhood, Maybe about just asking God to use you. Well, then pray about that. And say, God, I just need your help. Father, we pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we want to wrap up our...